Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. Diane Archer is going to be with us from Just Scare. She's going to blow the top off of this, the what they're trying to do with your Medicare. Uh, right now, Medicare, the privatization of Medicare is in full vogue. They're lying to people to tell them, go get Medicare Advantage. It is so good for you. I mean, Medicaid Advantage, it's cheaper. All of that, these are all not true. When you are ready to sign up for uh, Medicare, please go with the original and buy the supplemental. It may cost you a bit more per month, but the reality is if you get any sort of serious illness, Medicare Advantage, it will find some way to get rid of you or you will have to go to any substandard doctor that they so choose. So please, folks, listen entirely to the last story that we are coming up with, which has Diane Archer talking about Medicare. One piece that I wrote uh, that I put on Twitter a few days ago, and I said, as I watch Ketanji Brown Jackson, likely the most qualified person to ascend to the Supreme uh, Court, stay poised as she is attacked by sexist, racist, misogynist, anti-intellects. I am reminded to commend my parents and Panamanian and local villages for my strength and poise. They will beat you down. Folks, let's get busy. Lindsey Graham is trying to find some reason to justify not voting for uh, Katanji Brown Jackson. Katanji, Katanji Brown Jackson. Oops. Lindsey Graham is trying to find some reason not to vote for our our Scottish nominee, Katanji Brown Jackson. He is going to vote against her, so he needs to find a reason. So he goes into one of his tantrums. He first questions her about uh, defending somebody in, in uh, Guantanamo. Then he gets on her for an amicus brief and breach, and then he, uh, amicus brief, and then he goes ahead and uh, castigates her because he claims a lot of left-wing organizations wanted her, and, and those that want to pack the courts and all of that want her. I mean, things that she has no control over, of course. And packing the courts, it's not she who can pack the courts. It's the political side of the equation, the congressional side of the equation, right? But anyhow, so he asked her questions. And after she's very good at answering the response, Dick Durbin goes ahead and he annihilates uh, Graham with everything that he said very calmly. He was able to say, ah, you know, Graham is just a 
pompous buffoon. He didn't say it that way, of course, but we know that's what he meant. I want you to listen to this. Let's take it on the other side. So we'll have a 20 minutes more later on, but here's what I would say. That every group that wants to pack the court, that believes this court is a bunch of right-wing nuts that are going to destroy America, that consider the Constitution trash, all wanted you picked. And this is all I can say is the fact that so many of these left-wing radical groups that would destroy the law as we know it declared war on Michelle Childs and supported you is problematic for me. Thank you. Thank you, Senator Graham. Let me mention uh, a few points here. Uh, Congressman Jim Clyburn was a strong supporter of Michelle Childs, and now I believe he is publicly supporting your nomination. And Michelle Childs has been nominated by President Biden, uh, to be a circuit judge, and she will be considered by this committee as quickly as possible. On the issue of Guantanamo, there are currently 39 Guantanamo detainees remaining. The annual budget for Guantanamo is $540 million per year, which means each of these detainees uh, is being held at the expense of 12 or $13 million per year. If they would be incarcerated at Florence, Colorado, the Supermax prison, federal prison, the amount would be dramatically, dramatically less. Since 9-11, nearly 1,000 convicted in the United States on terrorism charges. Since 2009, with the beginning of the Obama administration, the recidivism rate of Guantanamo detainees released is 5%. So Mr. Chairman, according to the Department, uh, Director of National Intelligence, is 31%. Somebody is wrong here. If you're going to talk about what I said, I'm going to respond to what you said. If we close Gitmo and move them to Colorado, do you support indefinite detention under the law of war for these detainees? I would just say uh, I'm giving the facts. And I the answer is sure, no. I want to make sure that it's clear. The 31% you referred to goes back to the year... 2009? 2000. What does it matter when it goes back to? We had them and they got loose and they started killing people. Well, I could just say that... Uh, if you're one of the people killed in 2005, does it matter to you when we release them? suggest that a president of your own party released them in... I'm suggesting the system has failed miserably and advocates to change this system like she was, in, was, was advocating would destroy our ability to protect this country. We're at war. We're not fighting a crime. This is not some passage of time event. As long as they're dangerous, I hope they all die in jail if they're going to go back and kill Americans. It won't bother me one bit if 39 of them die in prison. That's a better outcome than letting them go. And if it costs $500 million to keep them in jail, keep them in jail because they're going to go back to the fight. Look at the friggin' Afghan government. It's made up of former detainees at Gitmo. This whole thing by the left about this war ain't working. Let me also note that Larry Thompson, who served as Deputy Attorney General under President George W. Bush, Orrin Kerr, Special Counsel, Viet Den, who served as Assistant Attorney General for Legal Policy in the George W. Bush Administration, John Bellinger, and former D.C. Circuit Judge, Solicitor General, and Independent Counsel Ken Starr, were also prominent conservative lawyers signing a letter defending attorneys who represented Guantanamo Bay detainees. Uh, I don't believe that we should associate uh, that activity as being inconsistent with our constitutional values. We 
spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead. Number one, subscribe to our channel. And number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. It is amazing. It is amazing. There we go. After Graham was exposed, after Graham was embarrassed, after Graham made a fool of himself, after Dick Durbin proved that holding a few people in Guantanamo costing $13 million per person, after he points out that uh, defense of terrorism is more effective in the tr in our legal system than in the fraud that is Guantanamo. When he explains all of that and puts gives results, Graham couldn't take it. So what did Graham do? Throw a tantrum and walks out of the hearing. I mean, these guys are amazing, amazingly, fraudulently. Well, we can end it right there. Whenever you guys hear me talk about uh, blaming appropriately where blame belongs, people don't understand. But what I want to show you how ingrained within the psyche of not only the political brass, but journalism, the blame the average American citizen, as opposed to those who are effecting damage on us all. I want to show you this. Most people aren't going to catch it, but I want you to see this and then we'll take it on the other side. The biggest domestic political fallout from the current war, obviously, is gas prices. Uh, and we are up to some two dozen states that are considering gas tax holidays. One right here in neighboring Maryland already has done it. Georgia's already done it. Um, it's hard to say no to these as a politician, Shane, is it not? Absolutely. And it's something that the states can do unilaterally, right? They can take a bigger chunk out of the gas prices than the federal gas tax can be. At the end of the day, it's not going to dramatically lower the price at the pump, though. I mean, this, these prices are factored in. Oil is sold on the global market. It's an indexed price. Mm -hmm. It can make people feel really good, and it can let the governor say, hey, I'm doing something for you, when then maybe it looks to make the president look a little bit weaker. But it's a band-aid. It's terrible policy. First of all, there's no guarantee legally that the producers or the retailers are going to pass that break on to the right. consumers. Yeah. Second of all, it gets people to drive more when supplies are short, so it's going to pump up prices overall because it's inflationary. Right. And third of all, it's terrible climate policy. Mm. So it's really bad policy. It's also terrible pothole policy. Forget climate. Like right. It depletes the transportation. The, the highway trust fund. So it's a $20 billion hit on the highway trust right. fund if everyone did it. But the other thing is the windfall profit tax, and that's what... You know, senators and other house, house members are really looking at, but that would get producers to produce less. So there's no really quick. The issue is the oil supply. So I got to ask, David, is the Iran deal is some of the motivation here about increasing some supply too? Is this so, why we're still 
I don't think it's the reason. Uh, I think or is it a benefit? There's a a genuine uh, desire, obviously, to to cap the Iranian nuclear program again. But that is a side benefit. The administration had hoped that our erstwhile Saudi friends might help out by pumping a little more oil. That doesn't seem to be happening. They didn't yet. They said (laughs) they did right. So, so I think. So I, I think I think that is a benefit. I just have to say about gas prices. Uh, I, I, I know that this is a big political issue, but there's a sense of disproportion. I mean, here's the center of Europe in flames, yeah. and the big issue in America is our gas price going to go up, you know, by another 50, 50 cents. Um, you know, p- people ought to just, you know, part of being a superpower is sucking it up and, <laughs> but and getting through But political this. leaders have to then make that case, though, right? I'm not, like, right. They, I don't disagree. You've got to say that, and we kind of say, hey, that's going to take some sacrifice. Oh, by the way, the administration's thinking about passing out gas cards. You want to talk about messing up the supply? That would have done that. Gas prices are the easy thing to point to, right? Yeah. Both for Republicans who are looking to make a point against this president and also for people to say, how am I feeling day to day? Inflation more largely is the bigger issue. I hope you realize that. Listen to what the, what he said. Uh, all the, it, it, the, the Ukrainians are going through hell. All Americans are going to have to do is pay 50 cents or so more in taxes. You Americans are such obnoxious, spoiled characters. Hey, look, let me, let, let me, let me tell you something. Okay. Yeah. It's only 50 cents or more. So, uh, by the end of the day, dollar something, two dollars more for gasoline. But here is the thing that I don't see any of them talking about or blaming. Or, or characterizing the way they should. Check this out. They first say, oh, Americans should suck it up 50 cents. Why not say these guys are gouging you because by charging you more for the for this gas price in these difficult times, they're making profits and they're doing it on your back. It's costing them nothing more to do it to make that extra profit that they're making. That's numero uno. But you know what was even worse? We hear uh, Andrea talk about the windfall profit tax. It would be great to have a windfall profit tax on all the excess profits these guys are making and then throw it right into green energy, making making sure we have windmills and back in store so that when the wind is not blowing and the sun is not shining, it's backed up that we can use that energy throughout the day. All of that is investments we could get from a windfall profit tax from these guys stealing raw from us, right? But they don't say that. They just say, well, you know, if we put on the windfall profit tax for those excess profits, what they're going to do is reduce supply. Do you see what's going on here? They are putting our well-being in the hands of private corporations who want to make a profit on our backs at all cost. Think about that. Everybody always say government do this or government do that or government has the boot on your neck. It's never government with the boot on your neck. It is always the corporate structure with the boot on your neck. They are the ones who don't will will they're the ones who will bribe. They are the ones who will hold you hostage. You don't pay me for this gas at the inflated price that I want. I'm going to make you suffer. So you know a couple of a week ago when I came out and I, I, I really castigated the oil companies and I said, it is time that if these guys don't behave to nationalize the oil companies because everyone needs oil, it is for benefits. We don't complain about our water system being nationalized. Of course, they're trying to privatize it now as well. But we all love the idea of the consistency of having fresh water in this country through the pipes, fresh water. 
because the government is going to be there to ensure you have fresh water to drink. Let's not talk about the part with lead and that sort of stuff. That's another issue altogether. But we know we're going to get fresh water. So why not do the same thing for us for another for another substance that is very necessary for us for gasoline for oil nationalize the oil companies given that they've proven that their their sole purpose is to make money on your back their sole purpose is to take advantage of you during wars and all these other issues think about this people Listen to this discussion that we just listened to. They are scared to have a windfall profit tax that can that can leverage a green energy. Why again? Because they will they will hold us hostage by reducing supply even further. And you Americans are so obnoxious. You're complaining about 50 cents more on the gasoline while those people in 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 Ukraine are going through a war. Oh, so petty of you guys. Not one peep to say that these corporations or what these corporations are evil entities that are there to profit on your backs and on everything that is happening to you right now we are in the midst of the Trumpian civil war and it comes in the name of Mo Brooks because you know what he has done he has opened the doors to some of the internals is he going to be that material face we are going to find out but you got to check and listen to this because there are other implications of this check this out I think it's important to set up why do we care about Mo Brooks, the congressman from Alabama? Well, he's running for the U.S. Senate and had the endorsement last year of Donald Trump. But really, there's three major contenders here. And Mo Brooks was was and has been one of the staunchest defenders right. of the former president. On January 6th, just hours before that insurrection took place, he was at uh, that Save America rally that uh, Trump dubbed it. And he spoke the words, quote, Today is the day American patriots start taking down names and kicking ass. Now, fast forward to today. Donald Trump has rescinded his endorsement in large part because his polling numbers have fallen. But now Mel Brooks is opening up about what the former president has asked of him in the past. Take a listen. Did he directly tell you to fight to decertify the election, the 2020 election? He did not use the word decertify. He used the word rescind. Rescind. What did that mean to you? Well, I'm a lawyer. Resend means that you render it null and void. Do you guys have the power to do that in Congress? No. And then immediately remove Joe Biden. I guess that would be through impeachment? Through the rescission of the election results. Now, Mo Brooks is alleging that the former president urged him to essentially try to get Joe Biden out of office, uh, rescind, in his words, the 2020 election. And he makes quite the claim and the allegation, which you can hear later on in our conversation. Take a listen. I explained to the president that what he asked is legally impossible and it violates the United States Constitution. And I'm not going to do it. Did he directly say that there should be a new special election for the presidency? In one of the conversations, he mentioned having a subsequent election for the presidency. And this was after this Labor Day? After September 1st of 2021. 
We now have on the record, Howley, one of President Trump's loyalists saying in late 2021, uh, you know, at least nine months after President Trump had left office, that he was still trying to find a way back. And as you heard Mo Brooks say uh, that he told the president, former president directly, that it was unconstitutional. Now, I did ask Mo Brooks whether he'd be open to speaking with the January 6th right. uh, committee there that is really looking at the events around all of this. And he did not explicitly say no. We understand this. That is an attempted coup. That is the former president of the United States attempting to solicit a coup on the United States. He needs to be in front of the January 6th Commission. He needs to be out there more widely. And this needs to be told because until Americans really understand that this is just the old-fashioned third world type coup that Donald Trump consistently and is continuously trying to do, nothing will change. But you know what? We have a Republican party that is still in his grasp. Slowly as he throws some people under the bus, they may confess, but it is time for us to attach them all to, to, the, to the coup or potential coup on the United States to kill democracy. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead. Number one, subscribe to our channel. And number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire Internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. Hey guys, as you guys know, we have been alive for 52 years. And you know what? Venetia Williams, one of our board members came out with a hell of an idea. And I want her to kind of Pump it up for us. But all of you guys that are listening to us right now, fun drive is over, but we still need you guys. Hey, Venetia, tell us what you think we or not what you think. Tell us what we as members of Pacifica, as members of KPFT need to do right now. Well, right now, you know, we celebrate our 52nd birthday. And because we didn't do anything last year because of COVID, Everybody's been asking what we going to do, what we going to do, what we going to do, what we going to do. So I came up with 52 on 52, which means $52 for 52 years. It's a fundraiser I've done with countless other nonprofit organizations. And so the premise of it is that you just donate 50, simple Simon. You donate $52 for 52 years. That's all you got to do. And it's our birthday celebration and that's what it's for. Look, let me tell you, Pacifica is, a, or rather, KPFT is a hell of a radio station. We serve Houston. We're here to serve, and that's yes, what we, we do. do. And, you know, if you just go to our website and go to, wait, how do they donate anyway? You tell me. Okay, they donate by going to kpft.org and the um, the fund drive phone number. You know, I don't know that phone number by heart, but it's 713-526-5738. There Come on, you go. Venetia. 
<laughs> okay, you know, I never memorized. They need to get a simpler phone number, 526 or something. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I can't remember. But, but anyway, you just go to those two. You either go to the website or you go to the phone number and just follow the, just follow the prompts. Well, and it, then you know how they ask you for what show you want it to be for. Just say 52 on 52. Well, It'll you know, come you know up. It's so funny. I, I did it even simpler because, you know, uh, I went on the website and that they had that thing that said PayPal. And since you guys will key on. 52, oh, yeah. PayPal. Oh, I yeah. Just click on PayPal. And I did the 52 bucks because you embarrassed right. me in the board meeting because it was like, you mean you haven't done your 52 dollars yet? And I'm like, I did not do that. Hey, I did not do. Might as well. You had. <laughs> Because of no, it. I said that all board members need to donate and they do, because when you what's his name is working himself crazy trying to find grants. And the first thing I'm serious, a lot of people, if you're not into grant writing, you don't understand it. But if they're going to shell out big money, the first thing they're going to ask you is what is your, is your board? One hundred percent is your board? One hundred percent. And that's the first question they're going to ask. So 52 to me, $52. Okay. And let's say, okay, you it's hard times or whatever. You can stretch. I, you know, I don't like to promote this, but you can, you can stretch the $52 out. For I, a year. But you know what, Venetia, I follow your lead. And the truth of the matter is you've been working in this business for a long time in making sure that people get get good programming and making people sure that these nonprofit radio stations can stay alive, especially in these times when we need it. I just want to thank you because oh. everybody knows, everybody knows this 52 on 52 campaign is yours. It has a ring to it. And for all of you that are listening to Politics Done Right right now, this is 52 dollars. Look. Venetia is one of our, our trusted members. And I tell you what, oh, that's so if, sweet. if she says 52 Just on 52, <laughs> let's do 52 on 52. So call right now, 713-526-5738, 52 on 52. Tell them that you want to give that 52 bucks. And I tell you what, the easy way, go to kpft.org and click the donate button or click the PayPal button, whichever or one. click PayPal. Yeah, and choose $52 and, and keep this station alive. We're still working very hard to get that new building, that new equipment. Oh, everything. yeah, we're getting a new building, y'all. And we got, I got some ideas for that, too, but I just did not say that out loud because I all the parties haven't gotten together yet. But, well, you know, um, we... We, 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 you know, let, let's stick to 52 on 52 until mm -hmm. you get all of that stuff hammered out, Venetia, and then we're going to get it done. So, folks, again, we want to thank, we, I, I want to thank very kindly Venetia for appearing on Politics Done Right to promote oh. this 52 on 52. Because I tell you what, KPFT needs, needs good people out there working yes, their butts do. off for, for this station. And Venetia... It's one of our trusted members that's out there busting her butt for this station. Venetia Williams, thank you so kindly for coming Aww, on. To thank you. And Bartel, you know I love you. You're one of my favorite people. Well, you know, you know it's like ditto, ditto. Yeah, you're one of my favorite people. We got it, girl. Thank you very much. For All right. No, thank you. And thank you, everybody. Huh? 52 on 52. There you go. 52 on 52. Thank you, folks.
today we have a very special guest, something that's going to that's going to discuss a subject that affects every single American at some time in their lives. Diane Archer. Diane Archer is president of Just Care USA, an independent digital hub covering health and financial issues facing uh, boomers and their families and promoting policy solutions. She is a past board chair of Consumer Reports and serves on the Brown University School of Public Health Advisory Board. Ms. Archer began her career in health advocacy in 1989 as founder of the pres- and, f- and president of the Medicare Rights Center, a national organization dedicated to ensuring that older and disabled Americans get the health care they need. She served as director healthcare for uh, director health care for all project institute for America's future between 2005 and 2010. Diane Archer, welcome to Politics Done Right. Thank you for having me, Alberto. Well, let me tell you, first of all, I'm excited uh, to talk to you mostly because the med- our healthcare system is in shambles, has been in shambles for a long time. One of the issues is that it flies under the radar and we don't discuss the issues that we really need to discuss. I contacted you about talking about this thing called DCEs, first of all. Not that that is the only subject, but I wanted to talk about DCEs because a lot of people don't understand the dangers of it. But before I get started, I want to ask you to tell us in your own words, what is the state of healthcare in our country today? Healthcare is a total mess in this country. And it's a mess for one principal reason which is that we've handed over control over our health care to corporate health insurers that are in the business of making money for their investors and do not put people's health care needs first. And in addition to that, uh, they are unable or unwilling to control costs or improve quality of care. So we're literally giving them control over an area where they can't serve as a good middleman. They're not even like a Walmart, right, which is there to be in the middle to get to the lowest prices and the best value. This is the opposite. And that is why every other industrialized democracy does not turn over the business of healthcare to corporate health insurers. They take control. And some people believe, oh, well, they do have private insurance. Oops. And the reason it's different is because in those countries. I I need to stop you a second because we had a a temporary Internet block. Some people think they have private insurance. Some Some people think that private insurance is the same, no matter who gives it to you or where you get it. And it's not. And. Private insurance, if it is under the direct control of the government, where the government is saying to the private insurer or a large employer, maybe is saying to a private insurer, we can go further there. This is what you're going to pay for. This is when you're going to pay for it. This is how you're going to pay for it. And we want everybody covered. And this is what they're going to have to pay. That's one thing. We could talk about that. In the case of most health insurance in this country, what happens is the opposite. The insurers get a flat fee per person and they're told, cover these benefits. And then they get to decide what to pay for and when to pay for it and how much to pay for it. And as a result, people who are sick and need costly health care get screwed. 
It's that simple. Now, Diane, I, 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 I have a problem. Okay. We have asked Americans to forget basic arithmetic that they've learned in school, that somehow having the cost of health care, having a, some particular cost that, have, that is absolute, and having an entity who pays it cost you more than instituting another group of people who must be paid out of the same pot. We have asked people to avoid, to, to forget basic math, that if you put a third person in there, that per third person or third entity also has to be paid. So the total cost of the product goes up or you get less of the product. The two of them cannot exist at the same time. Correct? Totally correct. And not only have we said to them, forget the math and forget about the fact that we're adding this extra layer of bureaucracy and extra cost. We're also saying, choose among a bunch of them and forget the fact that they're all different and that you're going to be choosing blindly because we're not going to tell you what the difference is. And so basically we're saying, pick the plan that's right for you, recognizing that many of them may not be right for people and forcing people literally to play Russian roulette with their healthcare because they don't know if they're picking a plan that is going to give them the care they need when they need it or not. You know, I find it ironic that they always talk about having choices, right? And yes. the only plan that really gives you choice in the Medicare field, whether it's Medicare Advantage or just straight Medicare, is Medicare, the one run by the good old United States, we the people. And why? That is because, of course, you get a chance to choose your doctor, your hospital, etc. All the others choose it for you. Am I correct? You are. You just nailed it. In fact, the way to think about it, I think, is if you go the traditional Medicare route, you get care customized to your needs and wants, right? You get to pick your doctors. You get to pick your hospitals. They get to decide the care you get. And basically, if you have supplemental coverage, you don't have to worry about the cost, nor do your family members. You can sleep at night knowing that you're going to get the care you need. And when you go to the private side, to the Medicare Advantage side, you have no clue. I, I think, um, Diane, why we need people like you, why we need your organization and your organization to be funded is that this is not a message that enough Americans are hearing. So the Medicare Advantage folks are coming out with, we'll buy you a membership to a club. We'll buy, we, we'll give you a free meal. Come sign up. But what you're signing up for is to be screwed down the road. I've heard a, a comment about, a young man who had testicular cancer and he was in Medicare Advantage and they couldn't uh, they didn't have a particular doctor to take care of him. So they had to ship him somewhere else. So he said, no, I'm going to go back to Medicare, regular Medicare. And he found out the hard way that if you take Medicare Advantage, it's difficult as hell to get back into Medicare because that supplemental you're talking about at that point is no longer a they don't have to take you as they do when you initially sign up. Would you like to expand on that for me? I think that's an excellent point that is lost on a lot of people. So people sign up for Medicare Advantage largely because they want to save money on the Medicare supplemental insurance that you do need when you're in traditional Medicare. And the big problem with traditional Medicare is that there is no cap on out-of-pocket costs. But the good news is when you buy the supplemental coverage, 
not only do you have to not worry about a cap, but virtually all your costs are covered. So again, you don't have to think about co-pays and deductibles for the most part. Everything is covered. When you're in Medicare Advantage, it's just the opposite. There's a cap, but it's as high as $7,550 in a year, which is three times the cost of the supplemental insurance. So every time you need care, you have to stop and ask yourself, do I want to spend that $500, $50? How much is it going to be? I don't even know how much it is. I don't know how, if I can afford it. Maybe I'll go without my care, right? Do I want to get into medical debt? Am I going to assume debt? So you're constantly in this position of having to make a decision between your health care or your loved one's health care and, um, and your rent or your mortgage or your dinner. I mean, it is a terrible position to put people in. And what about switching between Medicare Advantage back into Medicare? What's, what are the caveats? And then what happens is exactly. So then you're stuck and you think, oh, my gosh, I've just been diagnosed with cancer. I'm not going to be able to pay $7,550. I really want to switch back into traditional Medicare but whoa, I can't get that supplemental insurance to fill the gaps in traditional Medicare. Medicare tends to pay 80% of the cost, and then you're required to pay 20% of the doctor's cost unless you have supplemental coverage. But insurers are not required to sell you that insurance, except in rare situations. When you first become eligible for Medicare, and then if you move to another community, there are some exceptions, but as a general rule, you can't move unless you have Medicaid, which is supplemental insurance you can get if your income is, is low, or you can get it through your employer. But as a general rule, you're stuck, you're locked into Medicare Advantage. And even find a Medicare supplemental insurer that will insure you, odds are that they're going to be able to charge you so much that you're not going to be able to afford the cost. So here you are now stuck in Medicare Advantage, as you've just said, locked in. You can't go to the center of excellence, to the MD Anderson or to the Sloan Kettering that you want to go to. You can't move in with a family member out of your community because your care isn't covered out of your community, but you need that family member to take care of you. So you need to move. And you are just in the hands of this corporate insurer whose priority is a return on um, investments to shareholders. And what I'd like to say, Verdra, let me just say one more thing. It's, it's, it's worse than anybody can really imagine because if you and I decided we were going to have the best Medicare Advantage program in America, one that said, we want you if you have cancer, we want you if you have heart disease, we're going to we're going to do everything we can to get you the best possible care. We're going to have the biggest network, you know, like traditional Medicare. We'd be out of business before we opened our doors because the way that the government pays us, they pay us a flat fee per person, regardless if that person needs a lot of care or a little care. And so if you're a for-profit entity, you're focused on getting the healthy people in and the sick people out. And if we were focused on getting the sick people in, we wouldn't be paid enough money to take care of them. And we'd be out of business before we opened our doors. So the way the government pays these plans by paying them a flat fee just incentivizes them to deter people who are sick from joining and to encourage people who become sick who are their members to leave. 
And that's unfortunately just the way it's set up and it should not be set up that way. And now we can get to direct contracting because it is set up exactly the same way. Should we move Talk on? Talk to me about, I think, I, I, and I, that's a segue that I, that I wanted because that, that is a, one of the reasons I contacted, uh, contacted you is that DCE, everybody has been complaining about it. And I think the Biden administration, who we expected to do something positive, meeting, get rid of them and really be pushing Medicare, the standard Medicare, has created something called ACO Reach. Why don't you kind of um, uh, talk to us about this? Okay, so these are just names, but the short of it is back in 2020, the Trump administration came up with a plan. And the plan was let's privatize all of Medicare. Let's turn all of Medicare into Medicare Advantage and take away people's choice of getting their care uh, administered directly through the federal government. And so they launched this plan and then the Biden administration took over and it was still in place. And um, what has happened since is that very recently, uh, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which oversee Medicare, decided they were going to rename that program REACH and basically continue it as designed by the Trump administration. And that means that if your doctor signs up with a private insurer or a investor, like a private equity investor, to um, administer your care in traditional Medicare, then you will be under the control of that investor or insurer when you need care. That investor or insurer, exactly like in Medicare Advantage, will decide whether you need care and whether it's going to pay for that care. Interesting people say, well, you can always object or whatever. Generally, after you're, you're dead by the time the objection or the, or the arbitration or whatever is taken care of. You, you put an interesting thing that you sent to me that I think is a very important. You said, changes do not worry Wall Street. Investment analyst Spencer Perlman, the day after the announcement of REACH, which was supposed to make things better, says, the reforms are one part of a public relations exercise and one part modest revision that should not tangibly impact the for-profit entities currently participating in the model. The model being the DCEs, which is the uh, direct contracting model. Tell us how evil that direct contracting model is, um, Diane. It, it's really bad in, in a few significant ways. Number one, if your doctor is part of one of these direct contracting entities in traditional Medicare, you may not even know it. And you will be automatically assigned to that direct contracting entity against your will. Yes, you're supposed to get a piece of paper in the mail. But as far as I understand it, people with Medicare get hundreds of people pages of mail um, every month um, because everybody's trying to sell them something. And so most likely you're not going to read the piece of paper. And if you do, I can tell you, I've seen a couple of them. They are impossible to understand. So you're going to go to your doctor continuing to think that you're seeing the same doctor and you, at some level you are, but at another level, this direct contracting entity now in the business of figuring out how to drive profits for its investors 
is going to be telling your doctor how to deliver care to you. And that could mean that instead of the half an hour visit you're used to, you'll get a 15 minute visit. It could mean that instead of that doctor referring you to a high value or an excellent healthcare provider, if you get sick, the doctor will be told by the direct contracting entity, send this person to this healthcare provider who costs very little, who will be good enough for your patient. And you won't know the difference unless you ask your doctor. And so one big piece of advice is talk to your doctor, find out if that doctor is part of one of these direct contracting entities. And if so, ask your doctor point blank if he or she is being told to change the way your care is received, what care you get and when you get it. Absolutely, that is the case because that's how these entities make money. That's their job is to limit the care you get. And we know in Medicare Advantage, as we've talked about the private side, the corporate side of Medicare already, that people in Medicare Advantage get as little as 30% fewer services than people in traditional Medicare. So there's a lot of people who think, oh, well, I'm going to get Medicare benefits and Medicare Advantage. I'm going to get Medicare Advantage in traditional Medicare. What difference? And the difference, as you said, one huge difference is who's going to give you those services? You know, is it going to be a high quality provider or a low quality provider? In Medicare Advantage, we know that the skilled nursing facilities are lower quality. We know the hospitals are lower quality. In overall, we know that um, the home health services are lower quality overall from independent researchers. And we know that there's widespread, widespread inappropriate delays and denials of care and coverage, according to the Office of the Inspector General. That's what's going on already in Medicare Advantage. So you can expect to see exactly the same thing if you're in a direct contracting entity in traditional Medicare. Now, you do have the right to opt out. That's the good news if you know you're in. So first, find out if your doctor is part of one of these entities. And if the doctor is, find out how your care is being restricted. If you need costly services, if you have serious health needs, you may want to change primary care physicians. Now, that's asking a lot of anybody because that's undermining your continuity of care, which is really, really, really important. But the person who you signed up um, to have as your doctor is actually not going to be practicing the same kind of medicine as that person was before that person was a part of a direct contracting entity. Maybe it's conceivable that person will deliver good medicine. I can't say absolutely that person um, will not. But what I can say, and what you've already said, is that there are financial incentives to delay and withhold care from patients. And one more thing, those doctors, in many instances, are going to be paid more when they listen to the direct contracting entity and make more money for the direct contracting entity. And they make more money by withholding and delaying care. 
I mean, that is important. And I'm glad that you ended this little segment on that issue. I want to take a little bit of liberty here to talk basic economics and common sense. And it, it is important for those that are listening to us right now, those that are listening to Diane realize one thing. And, 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 and first of all, these corporations are not doing anything wrong. They're not doing anything illegal. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Private corporations are supposed to maximize the values for their shareholders and in doing so, maximize their own bonuses for the executives. That's, there's nothing wrong about that in a, in, a, in a society. However, when you have that, you have to determine if you want your health care under that domain. You have to determine if you want your social security, you want your Medicare under that, where that corporate executive must decide, should I care for her cancer or should I care more about what my bottom line is going to be to buy my Ferrari? And I'm not kidding around, around that. We have to understand these are basic value judgments that we must have here. And corporations have no value judgment by design. It's inherent into the economic system. You cannot follow the rules of the economic system and care about anything other than maximizing values. I want, to, uh, I want, I want us to discuss a little bit further. How can we ensure? Again, I said earlier, it's about common sense and economics. And one of the good things or one of the bad things I should say is that the corporations have unlimited funds for marketing plausible stupidity, which is what I think they do. In other words, they make us less smart with their marketing. You see a, a Medicare Advantage advertising, somebody's happy that they got a membership to keep themselves healthy at a club, at a health club. Somebody sees that they get a coupon to go to a restaurant to buy something. These little shallow things that ultimately cost you much. How can we, those of us that are trying to do the right thing by everybody else, get our message out best we can? You made a number of really, really smart points. These companies are doing exactly what they're in the business of doing. And it is not about putting our healthcare first. It's about taking as much money out of the healthcare system as they possibly can. And our job is to push for a cost-effective healthcare system that is designed to meet everybody's needs, not simply the needs of people who are healthy, but the needs of the people who are the most vulnerable, the people with lower incomes, the people uh, with serious health conditions, people in rural communities, people of every which type need to have their needs met. And that is the best way to ensure that is with a program like Medicare for All, where everybody is covered for what they need at a price they can afford. The way Medicare for All is designed, there are no co-pays or deductibles. The cost of the program is really coming out of the tax system. Mm -hmm. And it's so much more efficient. I mean, one thing we haven't talked about is Medicare Advantage is costing us literally hundreds of billions of dollars more over the next eight years 
than traditional Medicare. The projection from a fairly conservative economist is that it's going to cost $600 billion more over the next eight years than traditional Medicare would cost. That is real money. And so you can just imagine as if the government succeeds at getting everybody into one of these Medicare Advantage plans and destroying the traditional Medicare program, the program which would be the foundation for Medicare for all, then what's going to happen? Well, I can promise you one thing, as you know, the corporations are not going to sit back quietly and take a huge hit to their profits. They're just going to shift more costs onto us. They're perfectly happy doing that. Now, that might mean that, you know, some people will be able to afford those costs, but a lot of people are going to end up literally dying or becoming disabled needlessly because they can't afford their health care. And honestly, I mean, the sad reality is that is happening today. There has been there have been a few pieces um, out, one out of um, the National Bureau of Economic Review, looking at just out-of-pocket costs for prescription drugs for people with Medicare. And what that study found was that a $10.40 increase, just a $10.40 increase in co-pays led to thousands of needless deaths a year because people dropped their medicines. They dropped their medicines for um, to manage their heart conditions. They had heart attacks and strokes. I mean, this is really criminal. It's just unbelievable what the wealthiest country in the world is allowing to happen. But there is a solution, as you say, Medicare for all. It's cost effective. It gives people exactly the care they want, literally customized to what you want. If you're if you're traveling to Arizona and you need care in Arizona, you get it. If you want to see a particular doctor, you get to see virtually every doctor in the country with some exceptions. But basically, you get to see them all and hospitals as well. You can use them. There's no restrictions. You get what you need when you need it. And you don't have to navigate these incredible hurdles that the corporate health insurers put up to help delay your care. Not, not only to speak about the or to speak about the doctor's offices that won't have to deal with 100 different insurance companies anymore. They just submit a bill and all the staff that they would have needed to process all of that is no longer there. Dan, look, I can't tell you how important your message has been today. I, I asked one last question every single time, and that is, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? I think you really covered the full range very effectively, Roberto. Thank you so much. One final thing. What can people do now to fix this tragic situation? And what they can do is write the White House, write their members of Congress and say, end the direct contracting program, the DCE program now named REACH immediately protect our traditional Medicare, allow us the choice of traditional Medicare. Don't force us into a managed care plan. Well, Diane uh, Archer, uh, president, actually president of Just Care USA. Before I close, I want to thank you for the work that you do, because we need this work in a massive, at a massive level. And anything that politics done right or any other entity you need to get this job done, let's get this job done because your work is invaluable. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you. 
been a total pleasure, Egberto. You can listen and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L. I-E-S. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time. Please get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The Contributions for my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org, choose Politics Done Right for the program, and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. Please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. Keep KPFT on your mind. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support. That is there to provide that nourishment that we need. KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Well, folks, that's it for today. You know how I'm going to end this baby. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. 